On today's episode, we talk about the main things that you need in your life to maintain weight loss. Weight loss is not the hard part. Most people can lose weight. Let's be honest, it's maintaining the weight loss that we struggle with. It's the after the extreme diets, we go back to our old habits, we go back to the things that always keep us cycling between restricting and overconsuming. And so today we talk about what those five things are that you need in your life on a day-to-day basis to be able to maintain the progress that you work hard for. You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators and this is The Food Code. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. So I'm going to give away the first thing that's on this list because we need to talk. Like I just, I'm, I pulled up something on social media and what's terrifying to me is how expensive protein is becoming Mm -hmm. and how much they're trying to push plant-based meats. Mm -hmm. And like, here's the thing. If you want to be a vegan, absolutely. Like that is by all means, do you. I don't think that it's the healthiest option. I, th- I think that there's a lot of deficiencies that can actually be caused by it, um, especially if you're not being careful with it. But do you? It. I'm terrified that it's being forced on our population. I this it talks about a pound of chicken in Guam costs an average of nine dollars right now. A gallon of milk goes for more than eleven dollars, and the na- it, it's basically um, an article from the Navy Times because a friend of mine is uh, ex-military. And he posted it and it says the Navy might be required to serve vegan meat on some bases. And it's tell me food shortages. Tell me there's food shortages inbound without telling me there's a food shortage. The highest military budget in the world, eight times in America. We have the highest military budget by far. We cannot budget meat for our military. Well, what do you think about uh, all of the fires that have been happening at oh, the ranches? Oh, it's not a coincidence. Don't even start with me. <laughs> I'm not a conspiracy theory. Did you know that, like, I think there was actually a poll that was done recently that, like, conspiracy theorist is becoming less and less popular of a term because they're realizing that, like, a lot of this shit ain't conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Because people see this coming from a mile away. Because social media exists now. I love mm-hmm. and hate social media. Back in the day, when they tried to pull this shit on populations... You didn't know. You're just listening to the newspapers and what was on TV. Nowadays, you got live footage of things, so mm-hmm. you can't hide. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild how expensive things are getting. And, you know, it's just one of those <laughs> things where we're going to have to shift. And we talked about this, uh, you know, with the CEO of Malk. Jason talks about, like, shifting your budget to mm-hmm. be able to continue to afford the things that are healthy for you. Because, guys, like, we're going to be straight up honest. Follow the money right? All throughout COVID, I think this has been brought to light. But when you look at vegan and plant-based foods that are being pushed by the food industry, what happens? Who makes money off of that? Obviously, the food industry does, but then the pharmaceutical industry does as well, because people are going to become less and less healthy. Uh, And when you want to talk about and argue sustainability and, you know, the earth, I'm going to say go and watch uh, the documentary, Mm -hmm. Sacred Sacred Cow, Cow. because they basically debunk all of that stuff. If you have regenerative uh, agriculture farming practices, that is what is sustainable. Dr. Lyons actually mentioned this on a podcast recently. It was really interesting because what we're arguing about is also like 10% tops 
of the environmental problems that we talk about. Mm-hmm. And when you really break it down to like meat alone, it's like 3%. Mm-hmm. So what are we, it's mostly vehicles and transportation and stuff like, like most of the environmental issues are because of our transportation methods. Very minimal is because of our meat production and like very, very minimal. So what are we really spending our time on? Yeah. And energy arguing. I don't know. I just, I have very, very strong opinions about animal protein. I will keep them to myself for the most part. Here's here's the good news. First Form has not raised their prices. I've been watching, you know, what is happening in the supplement world too. First Form has not raised their prices for any of their proteins. Uh, Butcher Box, I believe, you know. They did. And you know what? I'm mad that they didn't send out an email. That's all I ask. 10 bucks. Would they raise it by? I think so. Yeah. But like, here's the thing. I get it. Mm -hmm. Just send out an email and be like, hey, because what actually one of our other clients um, told me about it. And I was like, actually, I don't watch my credit card as closely as I should sometimes. And I didn't notice that it went up. Um, not good business, guys. Like, not good mm-hmm. business to not tell your clients that you're raising prices and then raise them. So I've been delaying it because I was disappointed with the ribeyes that we love getting from there. I think the quality has gone down. They're very thin now, and they used to not be that way. So I've just been delaying it because I've been buying things either from Thrive or you know just in the local grocery stores. And I'm looking for um, some places around here, local farms that I would like to buy from. So I have not seen that. How much did they raise it to? Uh, I could go on my yeah. my credit card and check. Yeah, mine, mine is uh, 159 I know Trish told me it went up by 10 you, bucks. You might get locked. I don't know if you get like locked into a price maybe. Potentially. I yeah. I mean, I get it. But at the same time, yeah, absolutely. Let people know and, you know, let them understand. But then you guys, we have all of these, um, you know, I think it's just price gouging at this point. Like some of the things somebody was explaining to you, you know, me the other day, like all of the processed foods, like they're not really going up that much because it's not real food. Right. But it's not coming from a farm. It's not coming from agriculture. Mm-hmm. Like it's but just so Here's sad. what I want to know. So downstate, uh, I grew up about three and a half hours south of where we live in Springfield, Illinois. When Becca and I went to women in business, what was it like six weeks ago now? Uh, gas down there in Missouri and even up to like Pontiac, uh, Illinois is like a buck cheaper. Mm-hmm. So just because you're in the Chicagoland suburbs and you're closer to a big city, you're paying more for gas, which is infuriating. Mm-hmm. Like if gas can be four bucks or four fifty downstate, why do you have to raise it up here? And I know there's always been a bit of discrepancy with gas prices, but like this is getting out of hand. Yeah. Like, Nationwide, I understand that they're saying like the average is going to top out at like eight bucks a gallon, but come on. Like, mm-hmm. if gas is available for four bucks in Missouri or Southern Illinois, shipping and all, you know, there's so many, so I many things, taxes. Clearly, I don't understand enough about the gas industry, but it's just very frustrating that we're paying six bucks almost a mm-hmm. gallon, you know? Yep. So, anyways, it's insane. So, before we dive into this, we want to remind you guys that we are doing a mystery box giveaway. And so, in order for you to enter to win uh, this box, which is valued over $100, all you need to do is leave us a five star rating and review, take a screenshot of that review, email it to us or send it to us on Instagram. We need a picture of that because uh, we need to be able to see what date that you took it. We can't always uh, see it on Apple because there is a bit of a delay. So the best way to enter is to email info at fitmomlife.com or send it over via Instagram or Facebook Messenger. So what's going to be in this box? We're not going to spill the beans and spoil the surprise, but I can tell you it's going to be some 
things from our favorite brands. So I'll give you the brands that are going to be included in there, some of them at least. This is not an all-inclusive list, but we want to get you guys excited about this because this is a way for us to thank you for being an avid listener, for sharing the podcast. Obviously, if you are leaving us rating and reviews and you're sharing it and other people start listening to it, we are able to rank higher in the charts. And our goal is to be in the top 100. Um, We really value what we do. Uh, We are obviously, this is our mission in life. We're very passionate about what we do. And so it's important for us to continue to rank the charts. So you're going to be getting some things from LMNT, from First Form, from Frey Skincare. That's the uh, non-toxic skincare that I love. We've got some exercise things that are going to be going in there that you can use at home. We're not going to spill the beans, you know, on that piece of it, but we got a lot of really good goodies that it's going to be over a hundred bucks in value. And so we're really excited. We will be drawing the winner for that the first week of August. So you've got some time. Um, Tell your friends about it too. If they leave us a five-star rating and review, they can enter to win. And maybe if they win, and you don't win, they'll share it with you or something. So um, go ahead and leave the five-star rating review, send that over to us, and we will make sure that we enter you to win. We'll probably do a live drawing for that just because you know this is something that we're excited about. This is fun. And if it picks up and people love it, we'll can, you know continue doing it uh, each month. And then we may even start a subscription service because I think getting things in the mail and opening up you know, kind of the mystery stuff is really fun. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, okay, so... This is kind of around maintaining weight loss because I I actually had a conversation the other day with someone and it was like, God, that's such a good point. Um, We were talking about weight loss is not that hard. Like if you set your body up properly, if you adhere to something, the weight loss part isn't usually what people struggle with. It's the maintaining the weight loss that's hard for a lot of people. It's like the after I do this super extreme diet or this, you know, whatever it is, it's being able to maintain that process and that progress that you got And so we're going to talk about the biggest things that I think impact that, that a lot of people don't keep tabs on, and then they end up rebounding and gaining a lot of the weight back. Um, And then they end up in this yo-yo cycle of like, I lost the weight, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, whatever, but I just gained it all back. Mm -hmm. Like that is obviously the weight loss part isn't really what you struggle with then. It's the being able to maintain it, which is why we've we basically force clients to work with us for a period of time to be able to take them through that process. Like I don't want to work with a client for a month because, okay, cool. We got you to lose weight, but now you have to go into the hard part by yourself. And so I think honestly, what's most valuable is having a coach and a mentor through the building your body up to lose weight and building back health, which is really what's necessary. And then on the other side of weight loss, being able to maintain it. And going through life, being able to maintain it. Yeah. Because most people think that they need help with the weight loss. That's not what most people need help with. Well, and this is where the mindset comes in, in terms of not having an end date, right? We do not believe in short-term, very restrictive deprivation diets. Like, sure, you can lose the weight, but what happens afterwards? So the number one question that I would have you evaluate with anything that you do is, is this sustainable for me? five years, 10 years from now. Obviously, there's some outliers here in terms of different protocols that we use with clients. Like if we have to go through, you know, a healing phase, no, that's not sustainable. That's not the purpose or intent of a healing phase either. So what I'm saying is however you choose to create a calorie deficit, whether it's Weight Watchers, it's keto, it's 
Beachbody, you're measuring things out into little containers, you know, whatever path that you choose, make sure that that is sustainable for you. Somebody may thrive on a little bit lower carb protocol and they can do that for the rest of their life. While somebody else like myself, I'm not willing to give up some of my favorite foods such as homemade pizza or wine or, you know, treats on occasion. And so that's one thing that I want to say before we start into this, your approach also matters with how you decide to create a calorie deficit because- Mm -hmm you want to come out of it in a way that this is sustainable. This is something that you can maintain outside of the five things that we're going to talk about today. And so if you're doing something right now that you can't see yourself doing either on vacation or five years from now, I would advise that you find a different approach to reach your goals because you're going to essentially waste time losing weight and then rebounding and gaining it back. You're frustrated. You beat yourself up. You feel like crap. It gets harder to lose weight. The more that you lose weight uh, and rebound, it gets harder each time because your body gets smart. And it's like, nope, I'm not going to allow you to lose weight as easily because you keep putting me into these places where it's not healthy, mm-hmm. right? And and in any ways, there can be a, a variety of trickle down effects that we have millions of podcasts about. Uh, I think we're like in episode like four hundred now or something. We That's should probably so crazy, do that. but so crazy. Yeah. Um, okay, so what are these things? I had touched a little bit earlier, and I gave it away. Adequate protein, and not just because protein is so important for the body's health. In terms of like maintaining weight loss, protein keeps you satiated. It helps you avoid eating all the carbs and fats, which tends to happen if we don't eat enough protein. You're just, you're hungry all the time. It helps keep blood sugar balanced throughout the day. So we don't go into a horrible blood sugar situation long-term. It also helps you maintain muscle mass. If you do not have the proper amino acids readily available in your body, your body will break down muscle mass to get what it needs to keep up with the functions it has to do. And so if we are not eating enough protein, your body will start utilizing the existing protein in the muscle tissue. It will break down that muscle tissue. You will now lose muscle, which is our metabolically much more active tissue than fat tissue. People that have high amounts of muscle mass maintain their weight easier, hard stop. Like there is no other, like they do because their body uses carbs and fats better. They handle high calorie days better because again, their muscle is able to utilize that energy storage much better. And this is why, in my opinion, unless you are going to eat like a rabbit for the rest of your life, and even then I don't think that it works great, you have to weight train. You have to do some type of resistance training to maintain and keep up with muscle mass. Like it just, it is the cheat code to life, to weight maintenance, to feeling good, to being healthy, because muscle is also very effective towards our immune system. Like there's just so many benefits of it. And the number one thing that supports it is adequate pro- adequate protein, as does any diet that you ever do that's successful. That's usually the underlying factor, at mm-hmm. least in research. In mm-hmm. research, the number one thing, we've talked about this before, low carb, low fat, whatever you want to do, the number one underlying factor to successful diets and research is enough protein. Yeah. And if you want to look good, you want to achieve a toned, that's what everybody says, like, I want to look toned, right? If you want to look good and you don't want to look skinny fat, you need to be eating adequate amounts of protein. And so what is that? It's 0.8 to 1 grams per pound of your body weight if you really want to eat optimal protein. Obviously, if somebody is very overweight, then we can look at you know goal weight uh, in terms of the amount of protein that they're consuming each and every day. But we know that from a macronutrient standpoint, your calories that you consume are coming from protein, carbs, and fats. 
right? If we want to have good health and longevity, we want to look good. We want to maintain as much muscle mass as possible as we age, or you want to put on some muscle mass. You have to be eating enough protein to support the body because every single cell in your body, including your muscles, is built from protein and amino acids. So, if you're under eating protein, that means that you're likely overeating carbohydrates and fats if your calories are higher, right? Even at maintenance or maybe a little bit of a surplus. This can also be the same thing in a calorie deficit, right? That's how people end up looking skinny fat. And we're going to talk about this on another episode, but the difference basically between fat loss and weight loss is when you're losing fat, you're maintaining as much muscle as possible. And you're doing that by eating adequate protein and strength training. When you're just losing weight, you're losing weight water, weight, and muscle. So Mm -hmm. if you want to look good, make sure that you're eating adequate protein. If you want to keep your hands out of the cookie jar and not have all the cravings and crazy blood sugar swings, make sure you're eating adequate protein. Like we could talk about protein all day and all of the benefits here, but I think that you guys get it. And if there's one thing that people could do right, it would be eat enough protein consistently. If you do that, other things take care of themselves. You're not as hungry. Becca mentioned this before. So we also know that protein is very satiating because it takes longer to break down in the digestive process, right? And so this also burns more calories. Like if we look at the thermic effect of food, I actually just made a post recently that research shows us you can increase your metabolic rate or output uh, calorie burn through digestion by 11 to 14% if you're eating 30 to 35% of your total daily energy intake from protein because it has the highest thermic effect of food. You're burning about 20 to 30% of the calories and protein through the digestive process. Whereas carbs and fats, minimal. Fats mm-hmm. is like zero to 1%. Carbs is what? Like two to 5% or something. Very, very small. One to 3% maybe. Yep. So eat enough protein. Yep. If you take anything away from this podcast, 0.8 to one grams per pound every single day consistently. And if you're less active, you need more. Because if you're active, like I talked about, your muscle is utilizing carbs and fats better. If you're not active, you do not have as much muscle mass. In turn, you're not going to use carbs and fats as well. And so you want more protein so that your body doesn't store it as much. It doesn't store energy, basically, because protein works differently than carbohydrates and fats do within the body. So number two is exercise. And this is not just walking. Although, and I will give away another one, walking and general daily movement is the next number on this list. Walking is super beneficial. It is not the same as exercise or high intensity things that you get your heart rate up. It just isn't the same. And I will add this. Do not exercise just to check a box. Although some days, yeah, I'm exhausted and I'm exercising just to check the box. In general, I am exercising to become more capable and get stronger, which is the purpose of exercising, to constantly become a better version of yourself. I actually had a conversation with a client earlier this week. Um, love her. We, we came to the realization that she has not added any weights to any of her lifts in a very long time because she sees that as her limitation. Like if she knows she's lifted 85 pounds on a deadlift before, she says, well, that's how, no, that's how much I know I can go to. So I can't go any higher than that. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. That is not the way that we think about lifting weights. <laughs> I was like, we look at a number that we've lifted before and we're like, I'm I've, I've been lifting longer than that. That was three months ago. I should be stronger now or I should be getting stronger. And so that is number one, why you track what you do in terms of your workouts so that you can constantly be working to get better. And that is how you have to look at workouts. Like I look at my training as 
I did this three months ago, six months ago. I've been consistently training since then. I should be able to do more than this now if I've been working on that scale. And if I haven't and I want to do more, I need to start working on that scale. You want to pull up? You got to start working on pull-ups probably three to five days a week. You want to get better at deadlifts? You got to start deadlifting and working on strengthening your core and your posterior chain. Like You need to have purpose to your training because otherwise your training probably will not bring you great results in terms of body composition change or any physical change. You will just be checking a box, which yes, is better than nothing. But if you're taking the time to go and do a workout, if you're truly taking the time to go to a gym or making the time for yourself to go into your garage and do some type of a workout, take fucking advantage of that time, guys. Like, don't just go and do it just to go through the motions and be like, I work out five days a week. Do you though? Do you really work hard five days a week? Because I bet you could be getting a lot more out of your workouts and the five hours that you're committing to it every week than you currently are. So like, don't waste that time. Mm -hmm. Or waste your time just continuing doing the same weights over and over, like the baby weights. So funny story, I had uh, one of our neighbors stopped by on Saturday before we threw a surprise party for my husband. And I was like, I was in a rush and my niece is outside. She's like, Liz, like she's asking specifically for you. I'm like, okay, like, oh gosh, what's wrong? What are my neighbors mad at me, you know, for? And so I went out there and she was so sweet. It's this older lady that walks her dog every day. And she said, hey, I see you working out all the time. And she's probably in her 70s. And she's like, I would like to get some weights to start at home. I didn't know if you're a trainer, like what would you advise? So she's so sweet. She was asking me, should I get a one pound weight or two pound weight. Otherwise I saw that they make three pound weights. And I said, you know what? You are stronger than you know, at least start with the three pound weights. I said, but you can work up five, eight, 10, 15, 20. I said, don't waste your time doing the one pound weights. I'm like, you're out here with this little dog on your lease. He weighs more than one pound. I know that you are stronger than this. And so I'm excited you know, to hear from her in a couple months how that's going. But you guys, why is this important from a longevity standpoint? So once we hit 40, we can lose we can lose approximately 8% of muscle per decade. And this is almost double after the age of 70. So beyond just looking good and, you know, having that tone look that you want, maintaining muscle is really important. As I mentioned, when we age, we naturally lose muscle. This is known as scarcopenia. Uh, scar- um, and this impacts a lot of our daily functions, right? Like your ability, think about what you do with your kids, your grandkids, right? Lifting objects, if you're going grocery shopping, all of those things. It makes you more susceptible to chronic disease when you are not stimulating muscle to keep muscle or build muscle. Uh, it's also possible to fight the natural decaying of muscle mass through strength training. And this is why we say, eat protein and strength train at least 30 minutes a day, ideally. But then we look at things like osteoporosis, right? And bone decay. Another common health condition that people experience as they age is weakening of the bones. So when bones decay, they become brittle and more fragile, right? So this increases the risk of fracture, right? Or breaking things. Dr. Lyons, uh, Becca shared this on another podcast, but she talked about if somebody were to fall, they have what a 50% chance of rebounding from it. Of never walking again. Never walking If you're over again. the age of 60. Yeah. So there's extreme cases, right? Of osteoporosis, but lifting weights will help you increase your bone density and strength. It can also help you regulate your blood pressure. It can lower your resting heart rate. It can fight heart disease and type two diabetes. And obviously, if you're somebody who is lifting, you're eating adequate protein, you're regulating your body fat levels, Mm -hmm. which we know that if we are obese, high levels of body fat can lead to serious negative conditions from heart disease to high blood pressure to obesity, type 2 diabetes, all of these things. Mm -hmm. The next one is general daily movement. And this is one that I think 
is a big tool in the box to help with weight loss and with weight maintenance. Um, so a lot of times when people go into a calorie deficit to try to lose weight, that's all that they change is the calories. They don't try to pull any other levers. And so in turn, if they've tried dieting in the past and you know unsuccess- like done it so many times in the past, their body's pretty used to calorie deficits. So a calorie deficit alone becomes pretty ineffective. Um, and so a lot of times we'll use daily movement as another lever. So if you normally get 10,000 steps a day, okay, your body's used to that. It's not going to make a big difference if you continue to get 10,000 steps a day. So we up it to, okay, during a cut phase, maybe we do 12 to 13,000 steps. Um, And during maintenance phases, you need to maintain at least that 10,000 steps. You need to make sure that you're still very active because what happens a lot of times is people go through these calorie deficits or these crazy diets. They're moving more. They're doing all the things. They're super motivated. And then they come out of it and they're like back to 7,000, 5,000, 7,000 steps a day. Our bodies are meant to move. They are not meant to sit on our butts all day long. They just aren't. They don't function well when we do. We get more injuries. We don't have as good of energy. And so this is a huge thing. General daily movement to help maintain weight loss is so huge. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think that's probably one of the biggest things during 75 Hard that I've seen more physical change from because I already work out five to six days a week with intensity. I already do a lot of walks most days. The 45-minute walk I wasn't doing. And so, or the 45 minute bike or whatever. And so that alone for me, I think has been basically the big difference maker in like, I, I've lost probably five pounds and I'm, my body fat, I think is like way down. Um, and I think it's because I'm walking more than I'm usually walking. I walk all the time. Liz, so Liz gets way like, too many steps. It's no, it's like 75 hard. That's been very easy for me. The 45 minutes outside, like walking. So that's why I've been trying to add more biking in. Um, walking is underrated. I'm just going to say it. I think so many people probably feel the way that I did a long time ago. Like I thought it was pointless. I thought that the only thing that counted was, you know, strength training or doing like intentional cardio, be it biking, rowing, running, those types of things. But here's a big thing too, in terms of your health. So I just posted a video about this as well. Walking helps support your digestion. So if you are somebody who feels bloated after your meals or you feel like very sluggish after your meals, going for a walk after you eat can be really helpful. So when you finish eating, your body starts working on, you know, digesting all of the food that you've just consumed and absorbing nutrients, right? Proteins, electrolytes, fiber, vitamins, minerals, carbohydrates, all of these things, right? And so when you are walking, walking supports this process by speeding up the process in which your food is broken down and used. And so this leads to faster digestion, which in turn reduces bloating. Um, It also supports your blood sugar levels as well. So research shows us that 10 minutes of walking after dinner can improve your blood glucose levels by 22% for the next 24 hours compared to other times during the day. So I'm a big fan of telling everybody, get outside, honestly, as much as you can. If you can do it after breakfast, if you can do it after lunch, awesome. But after dinner is really, really important. And then from a blood pressure standpoint, exercise in general, but three 10-minute walks a day can actually help lower your blood pressure because what it does is it lowers the blood vessel stiffness and it allows, allows your blood to move more fluidly in the body. So again, just because you know you think that walking is a waste of time or it doesn't burn that many calories, it's not. There's so many other benefits. And the great thing is you don't adapt to it. Like it's not a stressful thing that you're doing to tax your body. Like for me with 75 hard, I think part of the reason why I've kept up with six days a week of exercise and then one day a week of stretching or yoga is because I was already used to doing 
so much walking that that's not really a big deal for me. So this is also where I'm trying to like add in the bike and stuff, but I'm also trying to eat enough food to be able to mm-hmm. have a baby soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I think if you're somebody right now who just says, yeah, I just don't have time. Well, I'm going to give you some tough love and tell you that you do have time and you need to make the time because walking is important. You should be getting at least 10,000 steps a day. Mm-hmm. Everybody should. And there's really no excuse why you don't. Uh, if you have a toddler, guys, I get 10,000 steps if I don't even do an intentional walk. Like right now, I'm averaging somewhere between 15 and 20,000 every day on 75 hard because I already have a toddler, right? So I'll give you an example. On Sunday, so we threw a surprise party for my husband on Saturday. At insane amount of steps. I was exhausted. I slept for like five hours. Sunday, I had to be smart with my movement, right? So I biked and I did yoga and stretching. And then I had Marcus. I still got 11,000 steps. Didn't even go for a walk. Mm-hmm. So there's really no reason why you're not getting 10,000 steps. Especially in the summertime, guys. Just get outside. Like we need sun. We need vitamin D. We need sunlight. It's very important. It's a huge reason why most people don't sleep through the night. Number four, weekends cannot be free-for-alls. This is something that I think a lot of people, when they come off of a diet, especially if it's too restrictive, and they never fully grasp the concept of how to make it work for their lifestyle, they might keep up with it during the week because you're in your routine, right? You're at work, you're in a, you know, you're in a schedule, you work out on normal days during the week, but weekends start becoming like, oh, well, now I can go and enjoy my weekend, right? I'm not dieting anymore. And then you start doing like Friday night drinks, Saturday night you go out and eat and have a few drinks, Sunday maybe even go out once to eat. And it starts turning into this, your body can keep up with it, in my experience, for like maybe a month, maybe a month or two, and then it starts to add up. And those weekends start to become your Achilles heel with maintaining your weight loss because we don't understand how much the weekend can actually pull us into a calorie surplus, especially if you came out of the calorie deficit properly during the week and you're no longer eating in a calorie deficit during the week. Now you're eating at maintenance, but the weekends are you know more YOLO than they were during your diet phase or whatever. And so now you're in a surplus on the weekend. Say you decide to get pizza on Friday night, you go out for a burger on Saturday night, you have a couple drinks on Saturday night, easily 2,000 calories in that meal alone with a burger, fries, and drinks. Like, sorry to burst your bubble, but most restaurants aren't going to make a burger that is less than like 900 to 1,000 calories, um, especially with the French fries included. And then you have a couple drinks on top of that. And like, if you ate somewhat normally the rest of the day, you're going to for sure be in a surplus. And this is where I think so many people fall off the rails is because although they keep focused during the week in their life, they stop what we talk with a lot of clients on is like evaluating your your months, like what's worth it, what isn't. Okay, if there's not like a worth it moment, like a date night or a wedding or something like that, we don't have to go out to eat every weekend. I think in this society, we fall into this place of like, it's the weekend. I live for the weekends. I go out and you know splurge on the weekends. But then we never maintain any progress that we have because we can't keep control of the weekends. Like not every weekend has to be like that. Find foods mm. that you enjoy making at home. Like we do Friday night burger nights at home. It's my favorite. They're so good. I look mm. forward to it every week. But I can control the calories because I control the bun. I control what meat goes on it. I control the toppings. I make my own sweet potato fries. Like delicious. I love them. They're so good. 
but it's much more controlled and like a 500 to 600 calorie meal total versus, you know, however many calories it'd be if we went and got a big greasy burger somewhere at a restaurant. I think a lot of this comes down to the mindset around what you're doing. So Mm -hmm. thinking back to, I know Becca, you did this as well. Things that I have done in the past where I was filling my intake with as little calories as possible. It was a hundred calorie snack packs. It was, you know, the Weight Watchers smart ones or just anything that was ultra processed diet food that was very little in calories. Like I'll even say some of the high fiber wraps that are like 50 calories, right? I would choose that over just a regular wrap. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do those things from time to time. But if you're somebody who is going Monday through Thursday, trying to eat 900 to 1200 calories, and then you get to the weekend and you have such a deprivation mindset, you just can't control yourself then in the face of these things because you've deprived yourself. This is where we see most people end up with a lot of rebound weight gain uh, and plus interest. So the mindset that we talk a lot about with our clients is, yeah, okay, the accumulation effect, that's great, but what's truly worth it? How are you feeling? And then how are you managing through these situations? Like, are you just going in with, yeah, I'm going to get all of it? Or are you like, I would like to have some drinks tonight, so I'm going to choose a little bit better option for dinner. Like I get salmon and you know, or steak or something along those lines instead of gorging myself in cheese curds, burger and fries, followed by dessert, like a milkshake or something plus alcohol, right? These things add up very quickly. And I'm just sharing this because this is what I used to do. I would think that the weekends was time to just YOLO, my cheat meal, go ham, cheat day, whatever. And all of a sudden, before I knew it, I not only regained 50 pounds or 40 pounds, I actually gained 50 pounds back after Weight Watchers because I was, again, so set on, I have to eat as little as possible. I have to do, I was at that time uh, in college at Illinois State doing two a days for between step class and then I'd go in on the elliptical and all this stuff. Like It was crazy. And it's not a good relationship to have with food because then you demonize food, you feel guilty, you have all of these uh, moralizations around food that you should not have. And so if you want to maintain weight loss and enjoy social events, plan for them. I make reservations uh, like tonight. It's my husband's birthday. We're going to make homemade pizza tonight. So I'm going to eat a little bit lighter, high protein, high vegetables throughout the day because I know that we're going to have you know, a little bit more carbohydrates tonight with dinner. And then I'll also pear salad with it tonight. Like I'm, you know, managing some things that like Becca was saying with her burger bowls at home. So it's a bit different, but if you're going out to eat for date night and let's say you're, you know, going to a restaurant and you have no idea because it's going to be a really eloquent, uh, dinner and they're going to serve you five or six courses. All right, get some movement in, hydrate yourself, walk throughout the day. Don't gorge yourself the next day, get back on track, do your normal routine. It doesn't have to turn into Saturday night was, you know, a free for all. And so Sunday I feel like shit. And now I'm going to dive into Bloody Marys. And I know Becca and I used to do this too, like Sunday fun day, like it would just like spiral. And then Monday would come and it would be as restrictive as possible. And so it's just not a way to live long term. And if you keep yourself in this cycle, I'm going to just say it blunt, you're never going to get to where you want to be. No, that was one of the biggest things that I take as like a success for my journey is I was always really good at restricting. I could restrict for months, months. And then my binges were just out of control. They were so out of control. We actually made a a really funny story. So we are going to Nashville for a wedding in November. And I was talking about booking the trip with Nick and my sister um, at at my sister's one-year-old, his birthday party this past weekend. And they both go, are you going to go back to that restaurant? Do you think that they'll remember you there? Because we went to Nashville 
oh gosh, five years ago now. And it was after I had ruptured my Achilles. I was supposed to go to CrossFit regionals. I had, it ended my season, basically ended my career. And so we went to Nashville as like a, you know, instead of you going to regionals, let's go have fun in Nashville. I got super drunk every day. And we went to a restaurant for like the one nice dinner we went to down there. My brother-in-law, my sister and Nick and I went. Um, and it was like a nicer restaurant. Dinner was at like, I don't know, 5.30, 6 o'clock. I was super wasted by the time we got to dinner. We ordered like a bunch of large servings. It was like bowl of mashed potatoes, Brussels sprouts, and everyone got a dinner. I ate the entire bowl of mashed potatoes. And then I fell asleep at the table. I was so drunk. And so my husband and my sister were laughing, being like, do you think that they'll remember you? I bet they have a picture of you in their kitchen, the girl that ate the entire bowl of family-sized mashed potatoes right next to her when she was super drunk and fell asleep. Like, that was my life. And so the fact that I have been able to shift to I now enjoy vacations, I don't overconsume, I allow myself to enjoy things, but it's not a total, like, I've come home seven pounds heavier, bloated, feel awful, do dumb things. Like, that is my win. Because that allows me to have a lifestyle. That allows me to enjoy vacations and not hate how I feel on them, not dread them. Because I literally used to dread vacations. I used to fear weekends. And now it's just another part of my life. If I want to enjoy them, I choose to enjoy them. But most often I'm like, I like to feel good more than I like to overconsume cupcakes or pizza. And so that's what I work to do. So the last thing here, number five is quality of food. And not only because quality of food is important for like, I don't know, giving your body the nourishment that it needs and the benefit that it needs, but mostly because quality of food is also going to naturally calorie control. When you are eating one ingredient whole foods, it is much more difficult to overconsume calories because not many people are going to eat seven apples in a day and 15 chicken breasts. And even then, you probably won't be that high in calories. But like just naturally, the when you focus on quality of food and one ingredient whole foods and making most of your foods at home, it is just so much easier to not have to track food, not have to weigh and measure everything. If you focus on protein at each meal and quality of food, you will naturally be in a healthy calorie maintenance place. It is when we start to get into processed foods and convenience foods and going out to eat all the time, that is when calories become really hard to control because you can eat an entire bag of potato chips and not blink an eye. But like I said, you're not going to sit down and eat three apples. You'll be really freaking full because of the fiber, because of the nutrients, because of what they have within them that allow your body to utilize that energy better and break it down slower. That is why quality of food is so helpful to focus on because essentially you are, you are calorie controlling without trying to calorie control. Yeah. I just think about my personal journey with how shitty I felt, uh, regardless of where I was at weight wise. Like I just remember feeling so tired, so sluggish, skin issues, dry skin, I would have dandruff, uh, you know, in the wintertime, in the summertime, I would have sunspots, constipation. Obviously, you guys know, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, that was something that I dealt with chronic constipation for many years. Um, you know, feeling sore, joint pain, like all of the symptoms that I had, really, I attribute to the shitty food that I was consuming, even when I wasn't consuming a lot of calories, right? Or when I was swinging low to high, the quality of food and how your body breaks down, digests and absorbs nutrients from food makes a huge difference in how you feel day to day. Your neurotransmitter production, how you think, brain fog is not normal. Inability to remember things, feeling spacey, can't think of those words, that's not normal. And so again, this all goes back 
to gut health and how you nourish your body or don't nourish your body, right? If you're nutrient lacking and your diet is just energy uh, from calories and it's not nutrients from calories, you're not going to feel your best. You're probably going to end up at some point in time fighting some sort of battle with some sort of symptom, right? Mm -hmm. And I hope that doesn't happen for a lot of people, but you look at the disease rates and you look at the food industry and the processed foods and the sugar consumption that we have now, and they parallel to each other. So food quality, I mean, I think people ask about like the 80-20, how do you quantify the 80-20? And you know, what I would say is for me, I kind of have a rule around, I don't have more than like two, maybe three processed things in a day. So I include even my gluten-free waffles in this. Like if I'm going to have gluten-free waffle before I work out, I haven't been doing that much lately, but I used to do that all the time. Then I would look at my breakfast and say, okay, I need to have oatmeal, right? I'm not going to have another processed uh, carbohydrate here. I'm going to have rice instead of you know a wrap or ciabatta. Even if it's gluten-free for me, I don't want a lot of processed foods. And one thing I will not give up is my protein bars because I'm addicted to cookie dough protein bars and I have no shame in it. And so I want that in my day. I count that as one and then I allow myself one, sometimes two other processed things. And therefore the rest of my food is coming from plant-based things, things that grew from the ground, animal products, right? Fruits, vegetables, one ingredient, carbohydrates, and then plenty of protein. We talk about protein a lot. I even look at my dairy consumption. If I'm going to have cottage cheese, then I'm not having yogurts, vice versa. Like I have to limit my dairy consumption. I don't like to fill my day with a bunch of dairy because that can be constipating. Uh, and I just don't feel my best with that. So there's two types of uh, yogurt that I found I can tolerate and one type of cottage cheese. I'll do that. But if I have one serving, I'm not doing another serving. And so I think it's important for you to look at how many things are you tracking that have labels? If there is a barcode on it, that is a label that is a processed food in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. It's just, it's so easy. If you want to get away from tracking at some point, focusing on protein and quality of food makes it very easy because you know you're getting your, what you need and you know that naturally you're just going to be calorie controlling. So we'll, we'll expand on these a little bit more in another podcast, but things that don't matter that much for weight maintenance, fasting, intermittent fasting, low carb, detoxes, meal plans, eating every two to three hours. Like there's so many things I will say you do need. I think that most people need to eat consistently. Yeah. But you don't need to eat every two to three hours. You don't need like unless you know that you tend to under eat and that's what you default to when you don't track or when you go off of like a focused plan, then that's something that you might have to focus on. And or that's why everything's so individual. Or your low blood sugar. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, I think there's definitely specific reasons, but I'm more so here referring to like the bodybuilder yeah. diet that's like, oh, you have to eat. And the reason that they do that is because they're eating next to nothing with egg whites and white fish and broccoli. Like, ugh. So they're starving. So they need to eat every two to three hours or else they're going to eat their arm off. Um, but yeah, that's like find foods that you get satiated fi by, find foods that you enjoy, that you can keep a lifestyle out of. That's why I think so many people never stick with what they do long-term and then in turn gain the weight back because what they do to lose the weight, like Liz has been saying, is not realistic or sustainable. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, you can't eat a bunch of crap food like pizza and fast food and stuff like that and maintain weight loss. It's just not realistic, guys. But you need to find a way to enjoy food. You probably need to learn how to cook or enjoy cooking in a small extent or find a meal plan service that like is legit and gives good, you know, calorie control and quality of food and stuff like that. But you, you need to find a way to make this something that is realistic long term. And I think in general, it probably needs to include the five things that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. Adequate protein, exercise, general daily movement, weekends cannot be free for alls and quality of food. 
Thank you for listening to The Food Code. If this episode resonated with you, please share, rate, and review as this helps us reach others around the world. With that, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Love you guys.